Well, good morning. It is great to see you all here this morning. I saw many of you yesterday. Um, what a great time of worship we had yesterday. Thank you for supporting. I know there were several that were online watching as well that are here today. But I want to tell you what thrills my heart even more than the participation in the service um, was to see God's people serving, to drive into the parking lot yesterday and to see you all serving so well. So thank you. Thank you for serving Jesus by serving Jesus' people yesterday. That was a blessing to my heart and uh, to all of those who attended yesterday. Um, I want to do this. I am so thankful to God that he brought our family together. We would have probably desired for a, maybe a different scenario in life to bring us all together at this point. Um, but we praise God that he brought us together. And this morning, I want to see if uh, all of my family, if, we, if you would stand. Um, would you stand together right now? A little bit of a choir over here. <laughs> I'm so thankful you may be seated. Thank you. Um, my dad and mom are here from Denver area. Um, sitting next to them, my brother Aaron and Elizabeth from Idaho. Aaron's going to be sharing a quick update here in just about a minute. Whenever I stop talking, he'll be up here. Um, uh, then uh, we have my brother-in-law, Matthew Vaughn, and his wife, my sister, Esther. Would you raise your hand there? They have five sons, five young men, servants of Jesus that are here with them today. Um, Sitting next to them is Vicki Crow. Good to see Vicki here, Aunt Vicki. Um, and then a row of fine young men sitting there. And I miss the fine young lady sitting in front of them. Uh, but next to them, uh, my Aunt Grace. More like a sister than an aunt. <laughs> and Mike Meeker, it's so good to see them. Um, and we have had such a wonderful time of fellowship through the obvious pain and suffering that God has brought into our lives this week. Uh, the last two weeks, but praising God through that. Behind them, my brother Jono and his wife Janae, if you raise your hand, uh, and there are a couple of their crew there, and then some more of my nephews sitting next to them. I praise God for my family, and I praise that God that he brought them out here. In this group right here, I will tell you, we rejoiced in this yesterday at the graveside. Um, out of this group, there are, well, four individuals that are involved in church plants that Pastor Royal Blue prayed for and over. So praise God for that. This morning we have the priv privilege of hearing a short ministry highlight of my brother Aaron. Would you come up, Aaron? A couple months ago we had him here to share his vision and passion for Twin Falls Community Church in Twin Falls, Idaho. And since then there's been a, a charter service, there's been wonderful services. I'm stealing Aaron's thunder. <laughs> and uh, He's going to share a bit of what God's doing there. He'll speak anywhere from five minutes to five hours. Depends. But Aaron, would you share what God's doing in Twin Falls? Yeah, yeah. Grateful to be back here. Uh, I've, I've been encouraged so many, by so many conversations with you, uh, mostly uh, by you saying you're praying for us. <laughs> I, I have been thoroughly encouraged by that. Um, met. Um, a couple, John and Lindsay, last night saying, hey, we have been praying for you. We were at the service when you spoke. And I can't tell you how much that means to us because uh, this is not our work. This is the work of the Lord that he's doing in Twin Falls, and we get to be a part of it. Um, so I'm, I'm just thankful. And it's also uh, just a blessing to be here and think, 
uh, one of the last times I was here, let's see, we were back here in 2015, I think, 2016, just visiting my grandpa, and we drove around town, and he pointed out we'd be driving down the street, and he'd say, Aaron, you see that church over there? Yeah, back in 1967, we planted that church, and then like five miles down the road, we, oh man, the Lord, this guy, got, the Lord raised this man out of our church to plant that church, and and to plant, and then uh, go up to drive up to a camp in Lassen Pines. The Lord used used us to to start this, and and so uh, whether you're new at Cross Point Community Church or you have been a part of North Valley for years, church planting is a part of your legacy and um, and your heritage. And and I'm grateful to God that you still care about it. Um, in a big way, and that God has given you a pastor who is passionate about it. La- last time I was here, I spoke about Acts 1-8 and God's process of advancing his kingdom uh, in, in, in the Great Commission, or we focused actually on Acts 1-8, which is uh, the Great Prediction. Uh, the, the kingdom is going to advance, and it started in Jerusalem and went to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And again, it it wasn't intended to be a template for missions, but it sure serves as a good template for missions. Local, regional, domestic, global missions. And so um, I'm grateful to hear of of what's going on here locally uh, with your help with the Good News Rescue Mission, but also grateful that God has has given given us a, a friendship and a partnership in the gospel to advance the kingdom regionally. Um, and so grateful to God for that. I'm going to give you a quick update about what God has been doing. Uh, as Andrew mentioned, May 2nd, we constituted as a church. So um, back in November, we began doing Bible studies with several families that the Lord had just brought across our path. I, I uh, explained some of the story of that last time uh, I was here, and I'm not going to get into that. But uh, so some of those families uh, and and uh, other families, Five of us families moved to Twin Falls, particularly to start Twin Falls Community Church. And on May 2nd, we constituted as a church. In other words, we went from a Bible study to we're now a covenanted group of people formally promising to invest in each other's lives. Um, And so we became a church on May 2nd. Since that time, um, we've been growing in, in depth and breadth, and, and, and our priority as a church is to grow deep before wide. Um, so what does that mean? It means to grow deep in the word and in the gospel and in our community and in, in our individual relationships. And so since that time, we've started gospel community groups, which are our small groups. Um, and um, so we started with 16 members. We basically split them in half. We got eight people in each gospel community group. And um, God has been growing some neat, uh, some neat relationships and um, taking us deep in the word and in relationships. And then we also started men's and women's groups. Elizabeth leads a, a women's group on Friday, every other Friday morning and um, at 6.15 in the morning. And so uh, the, the reason for that was, be, was to have so that moms could be able to get up and be at the Bible study because they're tired at the end of the day, and they don't have time throughout the day. And so uh, that was the, the strategy, and the Lord has been using Elizabeth in some big ways to disciple some of the ladies in that community. Uh, 
uh, in breadth, how we've been growing in breadth, uh, daily life and evangelism, I'll share a story of, of just what God is doing uh, in personal communication, personal relationships with some people that we've met in Twin Falls. But we've also, this summer, we did some, uh, I had a, a partner church in, in Kansas City say, hey, we want to partner with you in doing a missions trip out to Twin Falls. And uh, so that was super encouraging to us. But what they wanted to do was just this huge uh, community event. And, and I again, our strategy is depth before breadth. So uh, I said, well, can we hold off on this on a big uh, event? What we would like to do is to do block parties. What we want to do is establish relationships with the people we live next to. Because that's where mission starts, with your neighbor. Um, it really starts in your home. You, we have three little unsaved people we live with, my children. And if you doubt if they're saved, then just spend like three minutes with us. Uh, maybe just one minute with us, actually. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, missions begins right, right in your own context, in your home and then in your neighborhood. And so what we began doing is four block parties. This church came and, and basically we had, um, we had this bouncy house and we had some, some yard games and uh, grilled up some stuff. And, and we just met our neighbors in four of the neighborhoods where our people live. And God has started bringing some really neat fruit out of that. Um, particularly, I mean, I can name Larry and Dee and Shelly and her boys. Actually, uh, the night of one of our block parties, one of, the, um, one of the families who live next to one of the other pastors, there's two of us pastors, Joshua is the other pastor, uh, someone called him, one of his neighbors, and said, hey, can we talk? And um, I'm not going to go into the details, but now they're in a, a biblical counseling situation where he's actually, uh, she said, I, she shared a lot of some things that she's going through. And he said, yeah, I, I, would, I would love to work with you through counseling in these situations. She comes from a Latter-day Saints background, um, a Mormon background. And so he said, just so you know, in our counseling sessions, what I am going to be doing is going back to the Bible because that's where we have life and health and peace through a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, the true Jesus Christ. And so uh, he's been going through that. That just came fruit that came out of one of those block parties. And what's really neat is another Mormon family that we met uh, at that same block party. Um, they, we struck up a conversation, struck up a relationship and one of the wives was said, hey, we moved here recently. Uh, where I was before, I was going to a Bible study at a church, um, and she was from a Mormon background. And so she connected with Elizabeth, and she is now going to Elizabeth's Bible study. And what they studied last time was Titus 2, 11 through 13. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope in the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's one of the major uh, passages in the entire Bible that emphasizes the deity of Christ, God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so she sat there. <laughs> 
at the Bible study and heard the gospel clearly presented as Jesus is God and he gave his life for us. So what be be praying for the, these people as I I'm going to I'm going to list off some of them. But one of the other things I'm going to share a story of actually some Californians that moved to Idaho cuz uh, Californians are leaving in the droves to come to Idaho. <laughs> And so that is actually one of the reasons why we moved there is because Idaho has been one of the fastest growing states in America for several years. And so um, we moved there with the intent of reaching Californians with the gospel. Because <laughs> y'all need it. <laughs> and so, uh, so we moved there and, and we met, actually Elizabeth was in the park just... Uh, uh, our kids were playing, probably tackling each other, and this this uh, this mom came up to Elizabeth and said, "Hey, can we can we get together sometime?" And and uh, I'm probably butchering the story on the initial conversation. They connected at the park. That's what is important. And so the the result is uh, they had actually they had the the husband didn't have any. Religious background at all, other than I think he went to Notre Dame, the school, uh, the college, university, and then um, she just. Neither one of them are, are fo were followers of Jesus, and so we began building a relationship with them. Um, that's where it starts, you know, building a relationship with your neighbors. And so, uh, long story short, we're about six months in, and we've been praying for them, and they know we've been praying for them. And they sit every week, or almost every week, except when they're not able to make it, right in front, right here, a uh, couple rows back in our, in our little meeting space on Sunday nights when we meet, and they hear the gospel every week. And I ask the question, if you were to die today, where would you go? And I, and I, um, and I beckon them, Jesus died for your sins. Won't you come to him in repentance and faith? And they hear it every week. This lady has also been going to Elizabeth's Bible study. <laughs> and it is awesome because a couple weeks ago, she said to me, Aaron, can we get together? I want to talk to you about what the next steps are in my relationship with God. And we sat across from a table at a coffee shop, and she explained to me and said, Aaron, you've been teaching us the gospel, and I believe all that. I believe Jesus died for my sins, was buried, and rose again. But I just want to make sure, did I do it right? And I like, I, it was just awesome. I looked across at Amanda. I looked across at this lady, and I said, I think you're a follower of Jesus. <laughs> she said, I think so. So what's next? So we're going through a a. a a book. I I just I explained to her. I said, "Hey, uh, it's it, this is a, is wonderful. The first step in in your relationship with Jesus is to be baptized, and so we're going through basically our process of baptism. We're going through a small book called What Is the Gospel by a, a, one of my friends, Greg Gilbert, and um, basically it outlines, "Hey, this is the gospel. God is our righteous creator." And man, we are sinful, and we are under his just wrath because we're sinful. But 
Christ came, God-man Christ, came to die in our place. And our response to that is repentance and faith. God-man Christ and our response. And so we're going through that right now. And we're excited to see um, this lady uh, be baptized in the near future and join the church. And um, several, a, a handful of other people are in the midst of conversations about joining the church. And I want to say thanks be to God for what he is doing in Twin Falls, Idaho. And you're a part of that because you're praying for us. The fruit of your prayer is happening. Um, but I, 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 uh, it's not without waves of discouragement and, and frustration and uh, ups and downs in church planting. One week we'll have several people there, and the next week we'll have like half the people there. And so what is really important for us as church planters to do is to keep our eyes on Jesus and realize he's the one who is going to build this church. We need to be faithfully teaching the gospel in our lives and every week when we gather. And so several, a couple prayer requests for us. How can you be praying for us and partnering with us? Pray for us. It, that we would grow in depth and in breadth. That we would grow deep in the gospel and in the word of God. And that we would grow in our relationships as, as we share the gospel with our neighbors. In our gospel community groups, we're going through a small, uh, a small book called The Art of Neighboring. And I think that a lot of us as, as Christians get frustrated when we start talking about politics, especially when that person next to us has a different, uh, that lives next to us has a different political perspective than we. And so our, our, our thought is, how do I change my neighbor? How do I change this country? Well, in November, go vote. That's the strategy we have in our, our heads. The biblical strategy is to go invite your neighbor over to sit at the table with you and have dinner with them and share the gospel with them. How do you change this country for Christ? You share the gospel with your neighbor. And so we're starting with that, the art of neighboring. And so you can pray that the Lord allows us as, as a church to have a, have a heartbeat that reaches our neighbor right next door to us for Christ. So uh, evangelism, discipleship, and leadership development is how you can pray for us in breadth. And then you can pray for us as a family that, you would, that we would be rooted and grounded in the love of God. As we've been going through Ephesians as a church, Ephesians chapter 3 talks about, um, Paul prays this prayer, and essentially two things that he prays, that the Lord would strengthen their hearts to trust him, and then the second thing is that they would be rooted and grounded in his love. Uh, rooted, organic, and then grounded, uh, architectural. So like a building, but that is growing strong in, in, the, in the gospel. So you would pray for us, to our hearts to be strengthened in trusting God, and that we would be rooted and grounded in his love. Those are the two ways that you can pray for us. And then also, we're beginning to pray that the Lord would provide a building for us. So those three things, that, you would, that the Lord would help us to grow in depth and breadth, 
that the Lord would strengthen our hearts to trust him and that we'd be rooted and grounded in love and that the Lord would provide a building for us or a space for us in which to meet on Sunday mornings because Sunday evenings are a little bit difficult for some families to be able to meet. Um, and so pray that the Lord provides a meeting space for Sunday morning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to pray about those three things right now. So God, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing through this servant of yours and his family. The team you've put together, assembled up there in Twin Falls. And God, I pray by your grace that you would continue to help them to grow in depth and breadth. God, I, I pray that you'd please help them, as, as Aaron just mentioned, that you would encourage their hearts in you. That discipleship and evangelism would continue to happen. Give grace, we pray. Lord, I also pray that you would provide a place for them to meet on Sunday mornings that would be sufficient for their gatherings and even beyond their gatherings, and that you would grow a body of believers that is, that is strong in Twin Falls, a people passionate for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I, I do pray, Father, that through the attacks of the wicked one, that you would bless Aaron and Elizabeth and their families, encourage their hearts through the, the, the trials that I know they've gone through. The wicked one does not want to see the gospel advanced in Twin Falls. So I pray, God, your grace for Aaron and Elizabeth. Do not let them succumb to discouragement. Help them to find their daily comfort and encouragement in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the written word of God, the comfort that only the Holy Spirit can give them. And our Father, we thank you for the, just the short interaction we could have with Aaron and Elizabeth today. And please continue to bless them. And then God... Continue to light a fire under Cross Point Community Church. Let us live this same gospel. Continue to drive us deeper. Depth and breadth. And continue for us to, to build relationship in this church. To see you do a mighty work in Redding, California, and Shasta County, and the state of California. As needy as we are. Give us grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Aaron. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to invite you at this time to take your Bibles, the Word of God that you have there with you, and to turn to Romans chapter 5 this morning. Let's see if we can connect here. Thank you for your patience. I didn't get to say this earlier, but I just want to say it is so good to see every one of you here today. Thank you for taking the time. Whether you're visiting with us this morning or you're a regular attender, we're so thrilled that you came to worship together this fine Sunday morning. Uh, so I hope you're ready now to receive the word. A couple quick words. Uh, Jim obviously is not here to make announcements, neither is Griff. Um, uh, next Sunday, so September 12th, Young Adults here. We are going to start gathering on 
at 9.30 down in room 102 in the other building over there, just for a brief time, 9.30 to 10, you are more than welcome to come. I know not all can come, but whoever can come, we're going to get together, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for each other. So that's between 9.30 and 10, young adults here, so roughly-ish, 18 to 30, I would invite you to come, room 102 in the administration building you're more than welcome to come. Then next Sunday evening out here in the courtyard, we're going to have our pig roast, and we're going to have also a movie night together out here. So I would invite all of you to come if you'd like to enjoy that with your families. That is your time. So whether there's two families or 52 families, we're going to enjoy some time together. Um, I will assure you that this is not a festival that you would find in the Old Testaments of your Bible. But nonetheless, we will enjoy some of these new covenant liberties that we have and enjoy a fine pig roast next Sunday evening. Um, then this, set, uh, September 15th, so a week from this Wednesday, I want to invite all of you to join us on that Wednesday night for discipleship, uh, family discipleship, and dinner. Dinner from 5.15 to 6, then we'll split into our groups, uh, young adults, um, I'm sorry, uh, family life. You'll be down in room 101 praying for each other. There's an open adult study over in the ice cream shop. Um, there are children's ministries happening. Our teen ministry is happening. Basically, what we're hoping is that for an hour on Wednesday nights, you can come and you can be encouraged in the Lord halfway through your week. So I want to invite all of you to come to participate in that. If you are looking for a place to serve at Cross Point Community Church, as we talked last week, spent a whole Sunday talking about this. There are some wonderful opportunities. As Danielle shared, uh, our children's director, we still need uh, some workers in the preschool area on Wednesday nights. If you would be interested in pouring your life into some of these preschoolers and sharing the gospel with them, that is a great place to serve. Um, and by the way, thank you, thank you, thank you for all of you that this week have taken the initiative to, to volunteer and to plug into different ministries. What a wonderful blessing that is. All right. We will not go as in-depth today in Romans, but we will touch on a wonderful passage, Romans chapter 5. And right now, if you're sitting there and you've been on this journey with us through Romans, you're thinking, hold on, Pastor Andrew. You skipped like an entire chapter. <laughs> well, yes, that is by intention today. Uh, Romans 4 is wonderful, and we're going to re repeat that. We're going to go back to that. But for this week and next, I want us to jump into Romans chapter 5. And why is that? Well, I will tell you why. Is because God has been dynamically using the verses in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, to guide me and to guard me the last two weeks. Um, obvious through saying goodbye to one of your heroes, a man that is one of your greatest encouragers in all of your life, <laughs> a man who would call you multiple times during the week and on FaceTime, you would connect and finally when the internet connected and you see this this godly older man sitting in his chair, you know, his Bible's right there ready to encourage you, and he twists his head a little bit, and a big smile comes on his face and says, Oh, Andrew, so good to see you. Let's say it's not easy to say goodbye. I will tell you, God has used his word in such a wonderful way to do exactly what Jesus said he would do through his word in John chapter 14. 
You connect that with Ephesians 5 and all the passages that show how the Holy Spirit of God uses the written Word of God to comfort the believer. And that is what God has done. And He has taken this passage, Romans 5, 1 through 5, particularly verses 3 through 5, and He has driven it deep into my heart. And so this morning is more or less, uh, over the next 20, 25 minutes, is a personal testimony of what God is doing in your own preaching pastor's heart to guide me and bring comfort into my soul through times of pain and sorrow the last couple weeks. Quick review, though. We're talking about justification. On this journey, you can see on your handout, on the back, there's a little bit of an outline of where we've been. Uh, We walked through some ugliness in the book of Romans, some incredible ugliness and condemnation, and now we've talked about this word justification, one of those Christianese words that you're like, what does that mean? And we often take for granted that all of us in the body know what this means. Well, we've taken some time here to kind of dial in on this. And so today we're going to continue this talk on justification. Justification, its values, and particularly the value of justification when it comes to pain and suffering. And when we're talking about justification, this dynamic, deep, theological word that has shoes on for Monday morning when you don't think you can get out of bed, there's a passage for you. In this deep theological book, I praise God that there's wonderful practical encouragement. And so that's what we'll go through today. What are we talking about in justification? Just to take about three or four minutes and review. When we talk of justification, we're talking about this declaration of righteousness. Okay, so the picture is of this courtroom scenario. You have this person that um, is helplessly guilty. This person standing before the judge. The verdict is in. Guilty without question. And then someone enters into the courtroom and says, whoa, 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 hold on. I'm going to speak for this person. And I'm going to take their punishment. And the judge, with a smile on his face, says, Okay, you're taking his punishment, so I'm going to declare you righteous. My friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that is every single one of us that have come to Jesus Christ in saving faith. Jesus has spoken for us, and that is what we're walking through in this concept of justification. We walked through this so far, and kind of have this highlighted here. Why is justification necessary? Because Romans 1, 18 through 3, 20 is in our Bibles. (laughs) Because it's ugly. We stand condemned before a holy God. The courtroom evidence and arguments are crystal clear. The guilty verdict is unquestionably strong. Every single human being deserves God's just condemnation. Why? Because every single human being deserves is a sinner. That's what we've been walking through. And it got ugly. I was so thankful when we got out of chapter 3. But here we are then in the end of chapter 3. This is beautiful. How does God do this? 
How does he declare a sinner righteous? And we've talked of this. This is the overarching question of the entire book of Romans. Here it is. How can a righteous God make an unrighteous person righteous and do it in a righteous way? How is God going to do that? Well, unquestionably, in Romans chapter 3, at the end of this book, verses 21 through 25, we find that the only possible way that this can happen is through the God-man, Jesus Christ. Only. This is exactly what Jesus Christ himself says. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so, by God's grace, we've been rejoicing in this fact. Well, there's another question. Beyond why is justification necessary? How how does God justify? We've been meditating on this. This is so good. Why, then, does God justify? What is the motivating factor for God Almighty declaring a sinner righteous? The conclusion as you walk through Romans chapter 3, verses 25 through 31, it is not to give a bunch of believers big heads. You're all that. This is not for us to reach into our deep into our lives and find all of these great feelings that Jesus did for you to make you so confident in who you really are. No. Why did he do this? Unquestionably in this passage. Yes, we find confidence in this. But unquestionably, he did this for his own glory's sake. Why did he redeem your soul and my soul? He did this to put his righteousness on display. And so we walk through that in the end of chapter 3, which is wonderful because clearly Paul says you will not boast in yourself. Comparing different passages, the reason God justified us by his grace through faith in Christ that is the how did Jesus do, God do that? By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It is for His glory alone. Why? That man might not boast in himself. Taken from the Old Testament into the New Testament. But then you're reading through this and you're like, well, then what do we do? What Can, can I boast in anything? And that's why the passage we're looking at today is so wonderful because it's as if Paul is saying, you will not boast in your own works, in your own merit, anything of your own righteousness because you have none. But then what can you boast in? My friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, he uses the exact same terminology for boasting as we enter into Romans chapter 5 and he says, you're going to boast about something? I'm going to give you something to boast about. When we enter into Romans chapter 5, we have to think about this. What does justification look like on Monday morning? On Tuesday morning? Hey, what about Wednesday morning? What does this theological concept of justification look like when you and your entire family test positive for COVID? What does this look like when you lose your job over the mandate you don't agree with? What does justification, this high theological concept, what does it mean? 
when you total the only car you have? What does justification look like when your house burns to the ground? What does this look like when you go to school and you want to live for Jesus and you're mocked for being a Jesus person? What does this look like? What does this theology of justification look like when you won't buy into the abhorrent tenets of gender revolution and abortion holocaust? What does it look like for believers? What is justification with shoes on? What does justification look like when death enters into your family? The darkness and the doom and gloom of Romans chapter 1 verses 18 through chapter 3 verse 20 mixed with the unimaginable joy of Romans 3, 21 through 31. How does that impact the way I live in this broken world right here, right now? Paul, these are great words through the Holy Spirit 2,000 years ago. But what about me today? The 21st year of the 21st century. What does justification mean to me? I believe that is why Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 is in the Word of God. And so this morning, would you join me in reading this wonderful passage? Verse 1. Therefore... Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom we have also obtained access by faith into this what? Grace by which we what? Stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, I mean, just picture Paul writing this. Not only that, but we rejoice in our what? Oh, man, that is in the Word of God. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. What a wonderful text of Scripture. And I think as you work through this text, you have to dial in on this key truth. We'll see this this week. We'll see this next week. Here it is. Through justification, all true believers experience some wonderful benefits. Benefits that you can take to work with you on Monday morning. Benefits that help you get out of bed on Tuesday morning. Benefits that you can pillow your head with on Wednesday night. All of these benefits, and I think of this in my mind, and I'll talk, we'll talk more of this next week. I think of all these er times when you want to highlight something you have in your life, okay? So what comes to mind is this high school guy that has been saving for three years for this truck. <laughs> and he gets this thing. And he shows his buddies my new truck. I mean, in your mind, think about what's happening here. The hood's popped, and he's like, yeah, look at that. And look at that. And he shuts the hood, and he comes in the car, and look at this. And look at this. Pop their head underneath and says, look at that. 
And look at that. Okay, this is Paul. All right? In, in general terms, in very practical terms, this is Paul saying, this justification that we've been talking about, well, look at that. And look at that. And look at this aspect of justification. And brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, look how amazing this justification is for today and tomorrow and the next day. And so what is the value? We'll review it. We'll, we'll mention it today, and then we'll go into it next week. I'll dial in on the last one today. Here it is. We are no longer at war with God. This is in the Word of God. When you wake up on a Monday morning, you realize that you're not at war with a holy God through Jesus Christ. What's another benefit of justification? We have access to God's sustaining grace. You get in your car and you do not want to go to work. You show up at work and you do not want to see that coworker. When you enter that classroom and you do not want to see that teacher, God's sustaining grace is the one that gets you through that, is what gets you through that. The benefits of justification, here's another one. We can confidently rejoice and restore glory. By the way, in Romans chapter 3, finish the verse, for all have sinned and fall short of what? The glory of God. What is one of the benefits of this justification? My friends, brothers and sisters in Jesus, we can now every single day interact with this God of glory with confidence. And then we come to a final benefit that we'll dial in on for the next 10 minutes. We can courageously rejoice through suffering. Not this weeny little, praise Jesus. Oh no, we can courageously rejoice as we enter into these times of suffering. I want us to look at that based on this. If you would look with me at verse 3, whatever we missed today, we'll go back to next week. Not only that, Paul says, but we rejoice in our suffering. Justification does not extract us out of our suffering. Think of this. Justification doesn't extract you out of the brokenness of Romans chapter 1 through 3. That doesn't happen until you breathe your last breath. Justification just doesn't say now you no longer exist in a Romans 2 world. Wrought with sin and brokenness. No, but what does justification say? You can still exist in this world with your focus on the one that will guide you one step at a time. This good and gracious God. Clearly, this justification is through faith. And we can actually do this, rejoice in our suffering. This word rejoice is a wonderful word in the New Testament. In fact, it's used three times in 11 verses in this, this passage. Verses 1 through 11. Three times we find the same word. Uh, in some of your translations, it will be uh, translated as boast or even glory. We glory in this. This word's used by Paul several times through different passages, different contexts. 
But clearly what it means is to not shy away from something, but to embrace it with an inner joy that cannot be taken away. <laughs> to actually, actually confidently embrace the suffering around you with a comfort in your heart that brings a smile to your face. <laughs> we rejoice in what? Suffering. Actually, again, some of your translations will say afflictions or trials or adversities, distress, tribulations. I mean, we've got to realize, though, that this is not some weird or sick ascetic or monastic or self-imposed scourge-your-own-body type suffering. No, that's not what this is talking about. Go put yourself through pain so that you can realize what Jesus went through. That's not what this is talking about. What this is talking about is the day-in, day-out trials that we go through, the mocking that we go through for the name of Jesus Christ, the pain and the suffering and the death that we interact with in this world. Sure, we weep. We talked a lot about this yesterday. We weep with those who weep, the Scripture tells us. We empathize with those who are hurting. Sure, we pray as Jesus himself says, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from this evil. But the believer is called not to mope in suffering, but to rejoice in suffering. Clearly in this text. Not to hide out when the rain clouds unleash. Here they come, go hide. But to do what? Sing in the rain. To find the joy that only Jesus can give you through pain and suffering. I appreciate what one commentator, Morris, says. He says, people genuinely th or generally think that of troubles as evils to be endured and as stoically as possible. Paul thinks of them not as simply to be endured, but to be glorified in. We don't just find a hole and dig in there and say, I'm just going to be stoic until this passes. No, we rejoice. Another commentator, a guy named Mount, Mount, says this. The believer's joy is not simply something they hope to experience in the future, but a present reality even in times of trials and distress. Their joy is not a stoic determination to make the best out of a bad situation. Christian suffering is a source of joy because its purpose is to build character in the life of a believer. Why? Why can we rejoice in suffering? Because the God that does all things after the counsel of His own will, the God who does all things for His glory and our good, as we've talked so regularly of, this God has ordained this suffering somehow for his honor and glory and our eventual good we have to hold on to that the pain of this world i mean i don't know how you can exist in the brokenness of this world with that right now how you can process this pain without realizing that god does all things for his glory and our good we hold to this brothers and sisters in christ if you doubt that, run to Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, where Paul clearly tells the church of Philippi this. It has been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake. 
If you doubt that, look at 2 Corinthians chapters 11 and 12. We might read more of this next week where Paul exposes his own life and the pain he went through and what's the last comment he makes. One of the last comments is this. My grace, so he says this, three times I pleaded that the Lord would, about this, should leave me. And Christ said to me, the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says this, by God's grace, through the Spirit, therefore I will boast. Same word. I will glory. I will rejoice in my infirmities. We'll look at that more next week. Brothers and sisters in Christ, friends here today, one of the unimaginable benefits of this justification that we have been talking about through Romans is not simply that we can rejoice when we are with Christ in the future and are finished with our affliction, but we can rejoice right now in our affliction through the suffering we are under right now. Paul shares some dynamic reasons. I'm just going to mention these clear in the text. What are these reasons? Why can we rejoice in suffering? Here it is. Because suffering produces endurance. Affliction achieves something. It produces the fruit. I mean, the word produce there. It produces the fruit of patience, fortitude, steadfastness, and endurance. What is God doing in our life through suffering? He's making us stronger. And faith to Him. Why else? Because then endurance produces character, and then character produces hope. I love this word hope. We've talked of this regularly, that this hope is not some wishful thinking. I just really hope this will happen. I, I really hope Pastor Andrew will stop talking here real soon. And that's the wishful thinking of all the children's workers right now. But it is a confident expectation that we know this will happen that God will work through this suffering. But then we find another causal statement here at the end of this text. Here it is. Why can we rejoice through our suffering, brothers and sisters in Christ? Here it is. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You aren't doing this alone. COVID or pain sickness or death sure we live in a broken world with expressions of brokenness and pain all around us but the God whose love has been extravagantly poured into our hearts to the point of overflowing that's the concept he has sent you as he promised in John 14 the Holy Spirit and what is the title of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14 the comforter to comfort you and guide you through pain and suffering. The comforter, the Holy Spirit, is regularly saying, take care, take comfort, I'm with you. You you can do this for my glory. Don't give up. Keep going. With a calm assurance that I'm in control. That's what the Spirit's doing in our hearts every day as we interact with the Word. Remember, He who has begun a good work in you, he will perform it until the last day. My friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that's what the Spirit's doing in our hearts right now. Pain. This comfort through suffering 
please get this. As you travel through the book of Romans, we realize this comfort that Paul's talking about here only comes to those who have been redeemed. Christians. Those who have been justified. A lot more we're going to say about this next week, but I just want to acknowledge how practical this is and this has been, I know, in my own life the last year, the last couple weeks. Through death and sorrow, God has brought this up to me nonstop, this passage. What? Andrew, my love is poured out into your heart through the Holy Spirit. The pain you're feeling of saying goodbye? No. It's going to hurt. It will hurt because we're still on this side of glory. But I want you to know something. I love you. I've placed my spirit in your heart. I've poured my spirit into your heart through Jesus Christ. I love the song we sang yesterday at our celebration of life service. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living. Because he lives. And where is this expression of life given? It is in the regenerating of the Holy Spirit in my heart today. So what? Let's end with this. Again, we'll dial into more on this next week, but this. Through the care of the Trinity, am I rejoicing in my suffering today? Why do I say the care of the Trinity? Well, you'll take note this week, and here's your homework, to read every day through Romans chapter 5, 1 through 11. Read every day through it. And you're going to find, as you read through Romans chapter 5, 1 through 11, how carefully... Paul uses every single one of the members of the Trinity to bring comfort into our lives through time of pain. The love of God is poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Why? Next verse. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. So, through the care of the Trinity, am I rejoicing in my suffering? Through the care of the Trinity, am I rejoicing right now? Not that you won't feel the pain, the sorrow, the heartache, but that you will choose to rejoice in God through it. We're not talking about fake smiles. Emotions are good. When held in line with the Scriptures. <laughs> not talking about ignoring that pain, but we're talking about being stabilized through that pain a better question might be not just through the care of the trinity am i rejoicing in my suffering but this through the care of the trinity this week will i rejoice through my suffering what happens when you've tried to avoid the covid for a year and a half and this week you start getting the sniffles <laughs> what are you going to do you're going to panic what are you going to do when this job you've had for 22 years? They're going to lay you off because you won't participate in some mandate. What are you going to do when you get in your car and nothing starts? What are you going to do when that pain hits home on Monday morning and Tuesday and Wednesday and my 
prayer for all of us is that we run to a passage like Romans chapter 5 and realize that God's love is poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit of God. So God, that is our prayer this morning. I want to thank you for the time we could spend in your word, the time we could hear of your grace in Twin Falls, Idaho. And I pray, God, this week, we don't know the suffering, the pain that we will walk through this week in this broken world, but we know that you are with us. And so I pray that you will give us grace, that you will guide us and guard us, and that we would be obedient to your Holy Spirit this week. I'm so thankful, Father, that in Galatians 5 it says that we, through the Spirit, will produce fruit. Not only the comfort of the Spirit, but we will produce fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And I pray this week that through your Holy Spirit, we would see this fruit thrive, even through suffering. Thank you for the time we could spend this morning in your word. Thank you for guiding us. And when we pray these things, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to close with an anthem of praise to our God. This morning we will sing 10,000 reasons, because that's what God's given us. Reason upon reason to bless His name through trial. We'll close with that this morning. Um, some of you came ready to share of your resources this morning. We're not going to pass any offering plates, but some of you, uh, if God's laid that on your heart to obey Him, there are boxes in the back, or else you can also share online. I would encourage you this week, not only pray for yourself through the suffering, pray for others that are working through this as a body. Would you pray for our leadership team here at Crosspoint Community Church? There's been some ups and downs and all arounds the last two weeks. And would you pray, uh, pray for specifically for Chaplain Jim, as he, as he continues to recover and gain strength. Pray for Chuck and Linda Mellon, that they would continue to gain strength. And pray for others who are not here today. Um, but thank you for being here today. It is so good to see you. Would you stand as we sing this, close with this anthem of praise. <laughs>